I'm going to teach into um, our theme verse from Ephesians chapter 4. If you're looking for message notes, uh, the best way to access message notes is via the Bayside Church app. So if you go onto the app store, if you haven't already downloaded it down, uh, go onto the app store and uh, type in Bayside Church Melbourne and or Bayside Church Australia. Very important because there is one in California, uh, which is also a very good church, but it's not us. So Bayside Church Melbourne, download it. If you've already got it, you just click on the media button at the bottom. There's a, there's a number of buttons, media. Bring up the Frankston Weekly Notes, click on that, and it will, you'll find the message notes. Or you can take your own notes. If you are, the title of the message is just simply our theme, Together. And the key verse is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. And it says this, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's get this in context, and we're going to read the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to put it on the screen, or you can follow it in your Bible or in your iDevice. Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul's in prison, okay? This is his first imprisonment. He's in prison in Caesarea. It was in prison three times. Uh, through his life, and, and then he, he died in prison under Nero's hand around the mid-60s AD. And as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make effort. That word bearing, by the way, just simply means putting up with, which is what we have to do sometimes in church, is it not? You know, most of the time we're pretty nice people and we're easy to love and all of that, but sometimes people really get under your skin and that's where you have to put this into place. You don't just leave and go to another church at that point, you actually stay and work it through. Because otherwise, if you, if you leave and go to another church, there will be somebody there who will get under your skin as well. And what are you going to do? Leave and go to another one? Well, good luck with that, because if you leave and go to another one, there will be somebody there. So I'd rather just kind of stay, you know, it's a, not a good analogy, but better the devil you know than the one you don't, and there are some times where fellow believers, well, you know, they're a little bit like the devil, so whatever. <laughs> well, that's how we feel, is it not? Yeah, come on, let's be honest here. So I'd rather just stay... And it says here that we should bear with one another or put up with one another in love or because of love. And what you find is that when you face up and work it through, you go deeper with that person than you ever could before. And, 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 and God does a maturing work on the inside of you that you go deeper and become more like Jesus. These people that just flit from church to church never grow up. They live in constant immaturity. Don't be one of them. Verse 4, I did not plan to say that, by the way. That's a side sermon, and that's completely free. That was just like for you. Verse 4, there is one body, talking about unity, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the baptism by the Spirit into the body of Christ, where we are members together. One God and, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I want to stop there for a moment. Grace has been given. In the Scriptures, I think it's in 1 Peter, he talks about the, many, the manifold or the many 
many-folded or many-sided grace of God. When we're talking about grace, there are lots of different types of grace. When we say yes to Jesus, we, we experience saving grace. When we're facing difficulties like Paul was, and he talked about it in 2 Corinthians 12, his thorn in the flesh, which he pleaded with God three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. God said, no. But he said, I'll give you my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. That's sustaining grace. So the grace that we need when life's tough and we, and we just need that grace of God to see us through. But here he's talking about serving grace. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. So when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you not just saving grace, but this serving grace as well, where, where, which links up with your personality, your experience, your gifts and abilities, links up together with that, and God literally graces you to, to minister and to move in a particular way, all right? So I'm using the grace of God right now with the gift that God has given me to teach His Word. And so I'm experiencing His grace. It's flowing through me. And as I'm teaching the Word of God, you're beneficiaries of that grace today, okay? And whenever you serve, whenever you serve, not just in the church here, but, but when you're scattered throughout the community, whenever you are doing something for the Lord or for someone else, and remember, when we're doing for something for someone else, we're doing it like it's Jesus, amen? When I just got back from Indonesia, and I've been working in, in Karabakan prison for a couple of weeks, and every morning when I was driving to the prison, I would say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to see you today, and that changes your entire mindset. It's wonderful because Jesus said, as much as you're doing it for one of these, you're doing it for me. Uh, and so I saw Jesus in Karabakan prison every day. That totally changes your mindset. Do that when you go to work, when you go to school or university, when you walk through the shopping centers locally here. Uh, see Jesus everywhere. You know? And that really changes your mindset because instead of getting annoyed with people, who pinch your parking spot or whatever the case, you see Jesus and you're not going to wind the window down and yell at Jesus. Well, hopefully not. And then he goes on and he talks about some specifically graced people in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So there's four gifts there, okay? So apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then he links the last one under two headings, the pastors and teachers. Because if you're a pastor, you have to be able to teach as well. Um, you, 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 can't, you can't shepherd sheep if you don't feed them. And so he's, he's talking about these four gifts. And I want you to notice there that it uses the definite article before each one. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, so on. It's the Greek word day, D-E-H, which means on top of this. And so it's not talking about a hierarchy here that apostles on top of, on top of, on top of. What it's saying is that God's grace is abundant. The gifts that he's placed in his church, he's, he's, uh, he's placed uh, in his church apostles on top of this, prophets on top of this, evangelists on top of this, pastors and teachers. It's like, it's like having a, a, an ice cream sundae, you know, your ice cream. But on top of that, you've got crushed nuts. On top of that, you've got strawberry sauce. On top of that, you've got whipped cream. 
And so that's what God is saying here, his abundant gifts. And as you look around the church body, there is not one person here who is not gifted in some shape or form. There's not one person here who hasn't received the grace of God to serve. According to your gifts, your abilities, your unique personality, who you are. Don't try and be somebody else. Just relax in who God has made you to be and be the best you you can be in serving God and serving other people. And then he goes on and he talks about why God has graced people to serve in the church. Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on and talks about maturity. In verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ, from Him. And here's our key verse, from Him, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want to spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes just covering some of those statements so that we can really get them into our heart. And so the first of them is to equip His people for works of service. Why God has graced people in His church is to equip His people for works of service. Too often we view the people at the front as the ministers. We have been trying to blow that misconception out of the water for nearly 27 years of Bayside Church. From the very first day uh, on our newsletter, this is when we used to photocopy a newsletter back in 1992, it had ministers, all the people at Bayside Church. And that's still part of our heart. Ministers, all the people at Bayside Church. When, when people ask you um, how many ministers you have at Bayside, just say, Oh, hundreds. I was like, whoa, how big is your church? Oh, hundreds. <laughs> Everyone's a minister. You know, like lay hands on yourself, right? I'm a minister. I'm a minister. I've preached this so many times. And eventually the penny drops with people. I'm a minister. I'm a minister. Lay hands on yourself on a regular basis. Catch yourself on the way down if you need to. <laughs> you are a minister, Okay. Uh, not just gifted people, some of the gifted people, like the apostles, the, the evangelists, the pastors, etc., are given to equip God's people, His people, for works of ministry or works of service. My role or part of my role is to equip you to be serving in the house and serving in the broader community. The word equip there is a fascinating word. It's the Greek word katartismos, and it means to mend nets. It's the Greek word that's used, word that's used in the Gospels. When, when the, uh, the disciples who were fishermen, they would go out, they would fish, and then they would drag the nets onto the, uh, onto the beach. They'd sort out the fish, etc., get rid of all of the rubble and seaweed, and then they would spend time sitting on the beach and mend the nets so that the nets could be useful again. 
And so Bayside is a place where nets are mended. Some of you have come from other parts of the body of Christ. We've had people come in over the years that were completely devastated, in, you know, particularly in legalistic churches. And, and they, they had some tears, they had some holes, they, they had some damage. And, and they come into Bayside over the process of months and years. God has done a wonderful healing, restoring work. And so those people are now fully mended and, and ready to be launched out again to be fishers, okay? And that's a wonderful thing. We had a prophetic word over this church before we even started it, that God would bring people here who needed to be healed. And we've seen that in action, to equip His people, to restore His people so that we are restored and serving. Number two, so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're into bodybuilding at Bayside, and that's why we've got our bodybuilders workshops next year. Body of Christ being built up, that is an increase in spirituality and an increase in numbers, not both, sorry, not uh, both, not either or. Some churches focus only on church growth. And I tell you, you know, you can get growth that's unhealthy and, and unnatural. So my focus, number one focus is on church health. I want us as a community of believers to be in a healthy place a healthy body, but also then, of course, a growing body as well. Number three, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, this is so important, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That is, until we all hold the same truths concerning the Son of God, that is, the truths that are essential to salvation. That's what we agree on, and that's what we're in unity over. Sadly, if you uh, read church history, you'll find that the church has disagreed on a lot and fallen out as a result, and it's still happening today because people focus on things that actually don't really matter. We need to separate what I call uh, negotiable from non-negotiable truth. Um, some people still use checkbooks. Um, we used to use them, of course, a lot, but these days not so much. But on checks, when you wrote a check, if, if it was only to be cashed by the person you were giving it to, you would cross it and you would write non-negotiable. And then you would give it to that person and only they could take that check to the bank and only they could cash it. If somebody else tried to do it, the bank would say, well, you're not this person. No, 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 but they've asked me to. No, I'm sorry. It's not negotiable. In other words, we can't talk about this. There's, there's nothing to say. We can't cash this for you. It can only be cashed by the person it's been given to. So the bank won't discuss it with you. And there are certain truths that are not negotiable. As a church, we don't talk about whether Jesus really is the Son of God or not. Okay? We, as a church, we all hold to that truth. And, and if you're part of Bayside Church... We, we pretty much expect that you would believe that, you know, there is a God, that He sent His Son, Jesus, that, that Jesus is 100% divine and 100% human, that He lived uh, on planet Earth, that He walked amongst people, that He died on a cross to pay the price for our sins, that three days later He rose from the dead and now He's ever living to make intercession for His people so that He can save us completely. One day He's going to return and establish His kingdom. They're the non-negotiables, okay? But pretty well everything else we can have a conversation about. 
And we, we can talk about stuff and we hold different views. Like my father-in-law and my mother-in-law are coming out in a couple of weeks from Northern Ireland to spend a couple of months with us. They're from a, they're from a Presbyterian background. They love Jesus passionately. But he thinks that Sunday is the Sabbath. So there are certain things that he won't do on a Sunday, whereas we're pretty free because uh, like, we work every Sunday anyway. You know, This is not my Sabbath. Um, but, but I honor that and I respect that in, in him. He believes that, um, that people should be sprinkled in baptism. I believe people should be fully immersed. But we respect each other. Does it really matter, ultimately? I, I mean, I think full immersion baptism is a really important thing. But, you know, on Judgment Day, we're not going to be standing there before God and he's going to say, well, right, I've got this tick list, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, did you, did you, you, oh, you've only been sprinkled. Oh, dear, never mind. Go to hell, go directly to hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Sorry, you got it wrong. Is that going to happen? No. So it's all about Jesus, right? Jesus, a life, death, life, salvation in his name, non-negotiable. All the other things we can talk about and hold opinions about and I've got a list here. Was the earth created in six literal days? Some people think yes, some people think no. Does it matter? Okay, is hell really eternal torture? Believers believe lots of different things in regard to the afterlife. Is it all right for divorced people to remarry? Is it okay for two people of the same gender to marry? Does the book of Revelation deal with the past or the future? Which political party should I vote for? state elections next weekend. We have never politicized Bayside Church. I will never tell you who to vote for, okay? Just vote according to your conscience and, and how you see the world because Bayside is not a political organization. And I got, I got into a world of strife from some people, not people at Bayside, but, but beyond because of last year's uh, postal survey on, uh, on, on same-sex marriage because they wanted me to, make a, to take a side. And I said, no, I said, we're not a political organisation. I said, I encourage our people to vote according to their conscience. And, you know, if you voted yes, we've got, a, we've got a family that come to Cheltenham who were in leadership in another church, and because they said they were going to vote yes, they were stepped down from leadership. I was like, so they've come to Bayside, and they're wonderful people who love Jesus so much. What's negotiable and what's non-negotiable? It's a, if it's about Jesus, then it's different to all these other things. You know where I'm coming from here. What is the correct day to worship on? Obviously Wednesday. <laughs> Every day. Whatever. Should we use grape juice or wine for communion? Should Christians eat deviled eggs? <laughs> like really important stuff. Those things we can negotiate on, we can talk about. And, you know, if you hold a different view to me on those subjects, it's fine. We can talk about those things. And when we talk about them, it's only to have an interesting discussion. It's not about me trying to make you believe what I believe or the other way around. And so it's, it's unity with diversity until we all come to... Um, uh, reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then finally, until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. We are to continue to grow in our Christian faith until we become like Jesus. Here Paul gives three qualities of mature Christians. Number one, mature Christians are not affected by fads. Oh, help us all to grow up. Then we'll be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Christian fads, oh God help us. I became a Christian in the late 70s and you know, I really, I got saved during a fad. It was the, it was the Jesus people, the post-hippie revival, which was absolutely wonderful, and I praise God for that. But let's not live in the fad. You know, Peter wanted to do this. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration. Ooh, let's build some tents. And, and God just comes down and shuts him up, which is wonderful. You know, let's, let's build a tent here. Let's make this thing last. And, and over my years, I've seen lots of fads come and go. And the fads, okay in itself. Like in the 80s, everyone was flying over to South Korea to, to Dr. Yonggi Cho's church and learning about home groups and all of that kind of stuff. And then in the 90s, it was about um, Toronto and everyone was flying over to Toronto for the Toronto blessing. And then it was in uh, Pensacola. So everyone was like, forget about Toronto, forget about Cho. Let's go to Brownsville now, you know, to Pensacola, or as I call it now, Pepsi-Cola, because it's the revival that fizzed. <laughs> and I've just watched these fads come and go, and people, they, they start talking about a person and a particular area, and, and, and you know, it's all well and good. Is this doing funny things? Hold it closer. Really? Do you want to just turn it down a bit? I think that would be good. I'll hold it close. Is that better? Fantastic. Right. These things are all well and good in and of themselves, okay? But, but let's grow up past the fads, the, the particular superstar preacher who comes to town that we've all got to go and see. You know, one of the things I loved about Church Unite was there was no guest speaker. It was about Jesus. Go figure, you know? Let's get together as the body of Christ and let's worship together and let's pray for the church of Melbourne and for the city of Melbourne. It was wonderful. You can draw a crowd by bringing in big name speakers and that's all well and good and it's fine but the, let's not deify men and women. Let's grow up. Mature Christians are not affected by fads. He then talks about four illustrations about uh, immaturity. The first is infants. In some ways, Christians are to be like children, meek, gentle, trusting, free from ambition and pride, but children have other qualities that we are not to emulate. Children are changeable, gullible. They have a short attention span. I said they have a short attention span. They're easily influenced by others and they're easily led astray. In these respects, we are to be no longer infants, but are to put on the qualities of adulthood and not be affected by fads and so-called new teachings. Immature Christians are like the waves, tossed by waves. They're instable in thought and in character. They're like dice. The Greek there for cunning and craftiness literally means to throw the dice. An immature Christian is one who forms his opinions by mere chance, like throwing the dice. It's like the people that open their Bibles when they've got their eyes closed and they go, Lord, talk to me today. 
oh, no, I don't really like that one. You know, close it up, do it again until you get one that you really like. That's immature. And then he says, the immature Christians are like ships, a ship adrift on a restless ocean. They have no fixed views or principles. They are immature people yielding to every new opinion, teacher, or fad. Mature Christians are not affected by fads. Number two, mature Christians speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The truth is to be spoken, but the truth is to be spoken in love because there are other ways of speaking the truth. And some of you have heard those ways. I was in a church for eight years at the beginning of my Christian journey where the pastor was an angry man and he preached the truth harshly pretty well every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. I mean, I felt great before I went to church. It was wonderful. I was, you know, I spent time in the words, time in prayer, felt fantastic. Go to church, boom. Oh, you know, the arrows of the word of God, the sword used to whoosh, 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 cut and slice. And and just to make sure that I felt really, really bad, I went back for the Sunday night service. And then I'd spend the rest of the week trying to build myself up again. What a horrible way to live. A lot of what Bayside is, is because of the experience I had there. And I thought, when I pass to my own church, it's not going to be like that. The truth needs to be spoken, but it needs to be spoken in love. The other way, it offends and wounds. When we speak the truth to others, it should always be out of love for them and that we have their best interests at heart. And then thirdly and finally, mature Christians pull their weight. And that's where our 2019 verse kicks in. Ephesians 4.16, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That statement there, that phrase, as each part does its work, in, in the Greek language is actually a musical term that's applied to musicians who produce harmony by playing different parts. We experienced that this morning. We had four musicians on the platform uh, who were, were playing together and they were playing different notes, but it all sounded nice. You know, when Sonia was playing on the keyboards, I, 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 you notice that she's not just picking one note at a time like this. She's using all of her fingers and she's playing different notes. But because of her skill, she knows what notes sound nice with each other. And even though they're different, when they're played together, they sound good. That's what this term is about. Mature Christians pull their weight, they all work together. Each part does its work. And when you are playing your part with your gifts and abilities and your personality, with the grace of God, the serving grace of God working in you, and everybody else is doing their part together, we have what the Bible calls harmony. And it sounds great. And people can hear it. When they come in, they walk in. Uh, people say this to me all the time when they're visiting Bayside or when they're, you know, in, they're new at Bayside. As soon as I walked in, I felt good. You can sense the atmosphere here. It's a good atmosphere because people are keeping their attitudes godly. They're, they're serving. They're rolling up their sleeves. They're doing what God has gifted them to do. They're not trying to do somebody else's role, just doing what they're doing. And when they do that, we're all the beneficiaries 
of that, which is so good when each part does its work. We are an orchestra, not a solo. That is the church. During a rehearsal at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York City, the renowned conductor Arturo Toscanini offered some constructive criticism to the featured soloist. She was too proud to accept his help, however, and expressed her resentment by exclaiming in anger, I am the star of this performance. Toscanini responded wisely and firmly, Madame, in this performance, there are no stars. The maestro had made a strong point. The soloists, the members of the chorus, and the orchestra all had to work together in harmony or there could be no beautiful music. The Lord isn't looking for soloists who want to be stars. He's looking for workers who are willing to be servants. God's work takes teamwork together. So, working together means no one gets exhausted. Working together means we can support one another. Working together is more fun. We had so much fun at Sleep at the G. Wasn't that good? It was so good. Not sleeping. In the cold. But I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Working together helps us get to know others and draw more closely to them. Working together helps you accomplish more for the glory of God. Amen.